we profusely thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this great, great gift of Iman. The greatest asset, the greatest wealth a person can ever have is this Iman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us mu'min. Allah has made us from the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the kalima la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Just to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this, just this alone, a person can thank and appreciate and make shukar his entire life. It will not be enough. And whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with after that, whatever Allah has put in our care, the ni'mats and the favors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us, great, great favors. The cars we are driving, the homes we are living in, the business that we are doing every day, our, earn, our halal earnings that we are earning every day, the water we are drinking, the food that we are eating, the clothes that we are wearing, everything are great, great ni'mats blessed to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we find that every ni'mat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with are very, very great amanat and trusts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had placed under our care, under our, in our possession, in our ownership. And in accordance to how a person utilizes and takes care of these amanat and these trusts will be the end result, either happiness, everlasting joy and pleasure, or either everlasting doom and destruction. Probably of example, a person has a car, a vehicle, whatever vehicle it may be, maybe a bucky, a truck, or whatever it is. But he is using that car or that vehicle every day to go from home to, the, to his business, or he is going from one business to the other business, he is doing rapping around the whole of KZN. Or he has got his bucky, he has got his tools, etc. in his bucky, and he goes on call out jobs, He's an electrician, he's a plumber, he does carpentry. So that vehicle plays a very, very important role in his life. And the true appreciation for that vehicle will be, will be expressed when he sees the cash flow, he sees some result that halal earnings coming, that earnings coming in. Then he will understand that this vehicle played a very, very important role. Without it, I wouldn't have achieved what I have achieved. But the same person, he is driving the same vehicle. But he is driving it way over the speed limit. He shoots a, road, a red robot or a stop street and he meets up into a serious accident. Now one person is in hospital, another person is in the graveyard. The vehicle that he had banged into also, the occupants of that vehicle. Now the doctor's bills are coming, the panel beater's bills are coming, the lawyer's bills are coming. And on one side the cops are there to arrest him. Why? Because he was speaking on his cell phone while he was driving. So now he is holding his head and he's thinking to himself that how I wish I never had this vehicle in the first place. I wouldn't be in the predicament that I am in. So when used responsibly, it became a means or a cause of great enjoyment and pleasure. But when used irresponsibly, irresponsibly it became a means or a cause of doom and destruction and everlasting sorrow. Likewise, all these trusts, all these amanat, the favors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had blessed us with, when used correctly, it will bring us everlasting joy. And when used incorrectly for the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
then we are heading for everlasting doom. And from every amanat and all these ni'mas that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with, perhaps the greatest of ni'mas after iman, or that which we hold most dear to our hearts, that which is most beloved to us, most dearest to us, is those flowers that are flourishing in our homes, our children, our sons and our daughters. Such a great ni'mat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us as parents. And we find that the relationship between a parent and his child is such that the parent will do anything for his child. If anything has to happen to the child also, he is prepared to do anything, he is prepared to give everything just to see that his child is okay. At times, the child will even stop talking to his parent also. He'll grow up a little and then he will think he's, he's a bit now more knowledgeable or something happens. And sometimes months and years and decades can go by where the child is not even speaking to his parents. But we will find that the love for that child is evergreen, it is ever present in the heart of the parent. Even when the child is now an adult, he is able to fend for himself. He has a business of his own. He has a family of his own. But come the day some crisis or some turmoil happens in the, in the life of that child, then we will find it is that elderly parents also that are tossing and turning in bed. What is going to happen to my child? They are the ones that are crying and making the dua also. So this relationship between the parent and a child is not like any other worldly relations. What the, the parent is prepared to go through, undergo just for the sake of the child. And sometimes the parent will undergo, will, will sacrifice his necessities just to see to the wants and the desires of his child. He always wants, the parent always wants a better life for his child, better than his own life. This is a parent. And the natural effects of this love and affection that we have for our children, it prompts us to try and give them the best that we feel that will benefit them. Whether it is the latest gadget, the latest clothing that he wants, the latest of the tablets, the latest cell phones, the latest cars, and even the best of education also. To what extent don't, doesn't the parent go just to see that my child must, must get the best of, it, of education that I can afford? The best of schools, we put them in the best, the most expensive that we can afford also. From the primary level to the senior level and tens and sometimes hundreds of thousands are spent in just to see that my child becomes someone, he makes someone of something out of himself. Out of himself. He becomes a professional. He becomes this or becomes... Sharia doesn't prevent us from making our children whoever we want them to become. We want them to become this or this professional or that professional or doctor or advocate or uh, chartered accountant, whatever it is. Sharia and deen doesn't, as long as it is done, done within the parameters of Sharia, everything is done within the boundaries of Sharia, no problem. One of our senior or the Ikram always mentions that you want your child to become someone or he wants to become someone Study hard, let him study hard and make him the best in his field also. Hazrat Mahayus Patel used to also mention that we need the Muslim professionals. We need them. But at the same time, Hazrat Mahayus used to also mention that at the end of that mitzik, that mitzik results come out and we're looking at how many A's my child scored. He has 3, 4, 5, 6, A, A plus, etc. But does he have the highest A? Does he have the A of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his life? So, make them the best and let them study hard. 
the best in the field. What we want to make them become or what they want to become. Sharia doesn't prevent us. But before anything and before everything, my respected elders and brothers, let us ensure that we make them the best of Muslims, the best of mu'mins, and the best of ummatis of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Ma nahala walidun min nahlin. No father has given a better gift. No parent has brought his child up better than that parent or that father who has imparted to his child the morals and the values of deen. We have instilled within them the adab and the akhlaq of deen. They grow up, they know they are growing up as proper Muslims. They are growing up, growing up learning what pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what should I stay away from that which brings the wrath, the wrath and the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is growing up as a proper Muslim, a proper ummati and a proper, a proper follower of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In the words of the hadith, Nabi alayhi salatu mentions, if you have done this for your child, then you have done the best. You cannot give him a better gift. This hadith clearly indicates on the priority of the parent when he is raising those children up. And really my respected elders and brothers, if we have any value or any consideration, appreciation for the words of Rasulullah wasallam, then we ought to realize and understand that the very, very first demands of parenthood is to see that my child is raised up as a proper Muslim, a proper follower of Rasulullah wasallam. If we sit with the muftis or the ulama organizations, then we will realize how many cases they are coming on coming in on a daily basis. Where the, the parents are complaining about the children, I don't know what to do with this child. He is not listening to me. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, listen when I, he doesn't obey me. He is disrespectful, arrogant, back answering, swearing. And how many cases there are where the child is even raising his hands against the parent. Imagine to what extent. And when you sit and you try to trace the root of the problem, then it all boils down to the fact that the parent had done everything in his ability to see to the dunyawi needs of this child. He had given him the best of the dunya, the best of clothing, the best of gadgets, the best of cars, the best of education also. But he had failed the child when he came to his dini morals and values. Any child that has been raised up as a proper Muslim with the adab and the akhlaq of deen, with the morals and the values that Nabi Ali Wasallam had taught us, he will treat his parents better than even kings and queens. Because this is what Islam demands from us as parents. How we treat our parents. How sad it is. When you see a baby or even a toddler, one, two years of age, and he is already sporting that haram hairstyle. He is already walking and he hears somewhere he is walking and he hears some music and his hips are already swinging. He is very excited to stand in front of the, the camera with different poses. This is what is being fed to that child. He is walking in some walima or wedding or some nikah ceremony with that suit and that tie. And he is walking in as a page boy. He is holding the hand of some bridesmaid. What culture is that? That child doesn't even have a mind of his own. He doesn't, he doesn't even know what he is doing is haram. If the parent who if that parent is not pushing him towards that, then who else is doing it? Today our children are growing up in our homes with the value of birthday parties. With the value of birthdays, Valentine's Day, New Year's Day, Christmas Day, Diwali, busting firecrackers. 
singing a happy birthday song around a birthday cake with blowing out candles etc. There is no time to go into the details. But if a person has to do research on every single custom of these things, these customs, then it all roots back to paganism and satanism. But this is what our children are growing up. Today you ask a youngster, who do you want to become like when you grow up? And what, what names we will hear? The name of this soccer star and that cricket star and that movie, this movie star. And he wants to look like that person. He wants to dress like that person. He wants to behave like that person also. He knows everything about that star also. How many, how many goals this person scored in which game? How many runs he had? Uh, how many centuries he had hit in this game? How many hat-tricks this person had achieved? Everything about these Napak Haram stars. But what about the real stars? What about those whom Nabi Kareem sallallahu had classified as stars? What about Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, Khalid bin Walid, Zirar bin Aswad, Abu Ubida bin Jarrah? Really, my respected elders and brothers, open the books of Sirah. Open the books and read about these one one Sahabi, then we will understand what, what stars they were, what heroes they were. Kullukum ra'in, Nabi Ali Salatu mentions, each and every one of you are responsible for your family. You all are all responsible for the, the, that amanat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had placed under you. We all are responsible. Wa kullukum mas'ulun an ra'iyatihi. And we will have to stand up in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and answer in which direction did we steer our family members. Decades ago, we will find that the ulama ikram of South Africa, they had understood the, 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 the importance of teaching, of imparting the dini knowledge to the youngsters of the ummah. Despite it being the parent's responsibility, Allah Ta'ala has made it the responsibility of the father first and then the mother to see that the child grow, is raised up as a proper Muslim. But now given the situation, the condition around us, the ulama ikram realized that there was something that had to be done. And they had embarked on the mission, on a system, where they would see that every Muslim, they would try and get every Muslim to get some portion of this, of, of, of dini knowledge. So they, they will, when they are raised up, when they grow up, they will grow up as proper Muslims. And such a system, that is unparalleled, it was started in a non-Muslim country in South Africa. But it is a system that is unparalleled in the entire world today. Whether Arab, whether non-Arab, Muslim or non-Muslim country, we find that the system is unparalleled. And the system we are referring to, my respected elders and brothers, is none other than the Maktab Madrasa. It ensured that every child, or almost every child, that is going to school, he would dedicate some portion of his afternoon, a few hours here and there, and he will attend the Maktab Madrasa. And at the very least, he will learn the basic, basic tenets of deen. He will learn who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will learn who is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He will learn how to recite the shahada. He will learn the kalima. He will learn how to make wudu. He will learn what is required from him at the time when he is in need of ghusl. He will learn how to perform salah, how to recite the Quran Sharif. And he will learn how to raise, how to grow up as a proper Muslim. And this is a system where if a person has to now just interact with people from other countries. Muslims may be also advanced in their ages and may be leading in their professional fields also. 
But when they cannot recite the shahada, they cannot even, they don't even know how to make wudu, let alone reading the Quran Sharif. Then the tears of appreciation and shukar will flow out of our eyes in tribute to that maktab madrasa that we had, that we had attended. That maktab madrasa, the importance of it, my respected, we, we know how we treat the maktab madrasa. What a person will learn in that maktab madrasa, most of the time a person will not further his studies. No, many a times a person won't go to a darul ulum, or he won't maybe go for adult classes. He won't further his knowledge as far as deen is concerned. The pressure from the school, the tuition, etc. Everything, his mind is clouded. His entire life is clouded now. What he learns in the maktab madrasa most of the time will take a person throughout his entire life. And we find that when countries look at South Africa and they see the deeny structures all over South Africa, the Darul Ulooms, the Darul Iftas, the Halal Haram bodies, the Ulama bodies, the madrasas, the structures that are just flourishing in, in, in South Africa, then they take South Africa as a lead, as the leading, like a model as far as deen is concerned. But what is not realized, what they and sometimes we also we don't realize, that the backbone of the Darul Ulum and the backbone of all the deeny structures and the ulama bodies and all the different departments, it lies most of the time in the Maktab Madrasa. That Maktab Madrasa had very, very, it, it played a very vital role in bringing up and all these structures in South Africa. How we treat the Maktab, the amount of respect we give to the Maktab Asatida, those apas that are also teaching in the maktab, whatever appointment, appointments to be made, whether it is doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, extracurricular activities also, this tuition, that tuition, we don't even leave it for the weekends. Because the weekends we want everyone to relax. Oh, we want to go here, we want to go there. The weekends must be free to enjoy ourselves. So there is only one way, one place, and that is to take it out on the maktab madrasa. To pull that time. What significance we show if we only know the appreciation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself shows to the maktab madrasa. When that child is walking on the street, he's going to the madrasa with the topi on his head, on his, on his head and the Quran Sharif is juzdan in his hand. He's not walking on just any road or any pavement. He is actually walking on the wings of the malaika. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa mentions that the malaika are spreading their wings under the feet of that child. He is going to learn deen. All the animals around him, the birds in the sky, the fish in the ocean, the animals in their cages, in the zoos, in the jungles, even the ants in their ant holes are making dua and maghfirat for this child. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appreciates maktab madhasa. In the riwayat in sunan darimi it is mentioned that when people, when small children get together to learn deen, to learn the Qur'an Sharif, to learn the tenets of deen, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala holds back some punishment or some adab that was about to hit that locality, that community. So much appreciation. And how we appreciate the maktab. What significance do we do? Ya amanu ku anfusakum wa ahlikum. Nabi Ali Salatu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned that this responsibility of seeing that your child is raised as a proper Muslim lies on your shoulder. The shoulder of the parents, the shoulder of the mother and the father. It is our responsibility. That apa or that ustaz that is teaching in the maktab madrasa, after doing so many preparations, 
after a hard day's work also, taking out that time to come and teach our children, they are taking on our responsibility. Our greatest asset, our greatest legacy is our children. They are our greatest amanat. And imagine what a responsibility they are taking of our duty, our shoulders. That duty and that responsibility. This maktab madrasa, my respected elders and brothers, let us understand the value of it. Those of us who have our children also, wherever the maktab is, they are learning Alif Bata, they are learning the Quran Shari, they are learning Fiqh, they are learning everything in the madrasa. Let us try and send them. Send them to the madrasa. There was a point or there was a time wherein a parent would send his child to the school. There is no time to go into the details of what is being taught in the schools. My time is also up already. But what a person is learning today in school, the different subjects that are coming out, and initially the intention was to send my child so he'll be able to read, he'll be able to learn to write, he'll be able to learn a little English, maths here and there. What does all these other subjects got to do with deen? If a person just ponders and reflects, what does these, all these other filthy subjects and those subjects that are trying to rip the haya out of, out of the lives, lives of our children, what does that have anything to do with deen? But what a person is learning in school, the madrasa will now balance it out. This is the antidote. That deen will be instilled by, the, by, by us sending our children to the madrasa. We make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala protect our iman. Allah ta'ala protect the iman of our children. Raise them up as proper ummatis and proper followers of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And gather all of us in Jannah, Jannatul Firdaus wa akhil da'wana alhamdulillah.